When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This might get ugly, okay? I will not be holding back. I have so much, so much to say. If you've been in quarantine and you've ever felt like a complete loser for not being productive enough, for not getting into the best shape of your life, for not manifesting your dreams, if you have simply just been existing and you've been told that that is not enough, then you need to keep listening to this podcast. Oh my golly. Wait, you've got to be kidding me. Let's get this untwisted. Hi friends, welcome back to another episode of Don't Get It Twisted. We are covering productivity culture in all of its beauty and ugliness. We're covering the good, the bad, the salty, the juicy, the ugliest productivity-ness that you've ever heard of. Nothing I say ever makes sense, but I promise I have absolutely so much to say on this topic. If you've never heard of productivity culture, if you have no idea what the heck I'm about to be talking about, basically it is this idea that we should always be striving to do more in our lives. And if we are not doing the most with every single millisecond of our day, then we are not doing enough. We are not working hard enough. We are not as successful as we should be or could be. And therefore, because other people are utilizing every other second of their day, then they are going to have more success in their life than you. It also kind of goes along the lines of us as a society just being in love with this idea of trying to do more and more and more. And you shouldn't just be going to work, but you should be volunteering on the weekends and reading 10 books every single month and starting up your new Etsy shop and being the best parent you could ever be. Like if you're not doing all of those things, then you are not productive enough and you're probably falling behind. And I'm kind of focusing more on the negatives right now and there definitely are pluses and minuses to productivity culture, but we can dive all into that, my friends. I was watching a YouTube video the other day and I heard the phrase toxic productivity and our obsessiveness over productivity as a society and our endless drive to just be constantly productive with anything that we're doing in every facet of our lives. And honestly, I feel like you can look at productivity culture in both positive and negative ways. And I'm not a negative person. I strive to honestly look at everything through a positive lens. But this is also something that I feel like needs to be looked at unbiasedly. And when it comes down to it, I feel like there's a lot more negatives than there might be positives. But I kind of want to cover both and how they relate to me, my story, my history. And honestly, even just you listening to this podcast, like how that all has intertwined. (sighs) (laughs) maybe my heart's beating too fast because I've had too much coffee but I keep stepping all over my words and I just need to stop it sort of feels like productivity culture is a lot more of a recent idea it's something that it feels like has been pushed a lot more recently due to probably the pressures of social media if we're being honest but I remember probably one of the first times I felt it in my life at least that I can remember would probably be high school if I think back to high school I remember feeling all of these pressures from my teachers, from my peers, even from just family and friends to constantly be doing more. And a lot of that honestly was in regards to looking better for college applications. 
we were constantly being told that if you weren't doing more extracurricular activities, if you didn't have a job, if you weren't involved in sports, then you weren't going to be accepted into whatever universities you were applying to. It wasn't going to be enough to just go to school. And that in and of itself is already a huge socioeconomic issue that probably could be digested in an entirely different episode. But I just remember from that point on, it was almost expected that you didn't just go to class. You were doing more. You were involved in sports. You were probably trying to get into X number of clubs. So then it looked better on a resume. It looked better on a job application, a college application. And doing the bare minimum was just not enough. But I feel like my more prevalent memories with this come into play in college. Now, I went to a pretty small college. I would say, I think in total, there was somewhere around 5,000 undergrad. I could be totally wrong on those numbers. Honestly, I forget, but it was pretty small in comparison to, you know, a giant state school or something. And because it was a little bit of a smaller community on campus, there was this weird pressure from your peers and even kind of from the administration in some ways to constantly be doing more on campus. And I remember feeling this almost even before I got accepted into the school before I even started going there, it was almost expected of you that you weren't just going to be going to class, but you were also going to probably hold a job. You were going to have extracurriculars. You were going to get involved in the community. And if you weren't doing all of those things, then people would be like, huh, well, that's sort of weird. Like, oh, they just go to class. Like they're not involved in anything else. It honestly got to a point where it was kind of gross in a weird way because being busy became a personality trait. And don't get this twisted, no pun intended, but I was definitely very guilty of this myself. I remember from the outset of going to school there, I wanted to be as involved as possible. I wanted to meet a lot of people. I wanted to have friends all across campus. And that's definitely one positive about being productive is that you get to meet so many different people that you otherwise wouldn't know if you were just going to class. But honestly, I wanted to be involved in every area of campus that I could. And I don't really know if that's a good thing or a bad thing looking back. I remember conversations I would have with friends where they felt like they weren't doing enough because they were only involved in two extracurricular activities as if that wasn't already stressful enough on top of trying to get a bachelor's degree. Like That's insane. And then it became kind of this weird thing where you almost wanted to say that you were busy. Like, oh, I I have a meeting on Monday night and then I have a meeting on Tuesday night and then I have to go to work and then after that I have to go to another meeting as if it was like meetings, 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 like so busy, so freaking important. I have so many things to do. As if that was a good thing, like as if being busy was better than spending quality time with loved ones. And it honestly became quite exclusive first and foremost because a lot of the same people would be involved in a lot of the same extracurricular activities. And also it wasn't fair for one, minority groups that were often excluded from a lot of the narratives on my campus and two, from people who just weren't bubbly or extroverted. Even Keith, my boyfriend, he is somebody who's just not extroverted himself. So he didn't want to always be involved in extracurricular activities. And I remember people asking me like why he wasn't involved as if it was odd like it was weird even though that's just not his personality like it doesn't have to be an expectation that you need to be doing other things just to contribute to the productivity culture on your campus but for some reason like we got it in our heads that this was what you had to do if you wanted to I don't know have a fucking personality or something I remember this one time when I was living near my campus for the summer and I decided it would be a good idea to have four jobs at the exact same time. Four freaking jobs. 
I was working on campus as a work-study student in our campus's visit office. I was a wedding coordinator for a local wedding planner. I was going to be a president of a campus club in the fall, so I had all of this summer work I also had to do for the club too. And then I was also helping this random woman organize her new apartment, which is a story for a whole different day. But I had four jobs. And I remember thinking, that's great. Like, this is so good. I have four jobs. Like, how cool of me. I mean, of course, I needed to work my butt off because I had to earn some money and I had loans to pay, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, I remember feeling so overworked, but I also secretly loved telling people that I had four jobs as if it would earn me some sort of trophy or award for saying I was busy all the time. Like it wasn't a good idea for my mental health to even be working that much, but I got it into my head that four jobs was great. And I was such a hard worker because I had four freaking jobs. Big whoop-de-doo, Taylor. Like who, who cares? Literally, who cares? That doesn't make me any better than anybody else. But apparently that's what I was thinking. And honestly, all it left me with was no spare time, no time to do anything other than complain about how much work I had. And I still wasn't making that much money. Like it was ridiculous. But I became obsessed with the idea that it was great to be busy. And it was so good to, you know, to have all of these things working out for me over the summer because I would be, I don't even know, like better or perceived better because I was working so hard. I mean, like now I can look back at it and laugh. But at the time, I was legitimately just thinking, I am better because I am more productive. And honestly, that's just gross. And don't get me wrong either. Like, I definitely think it's a great thing to work to do the things that you love to do and to earn money to pay off your loans. And even just following your hobbies and getting involved on campus, that's not a bad thing. But I think when it becomes toxic is when you feel like it's better to be doing more and more and more, or even somehow it's seen to be better that you're doing more things than your body and your mind honestly have the capacity for. There was this one time I was in a class on campus and we were asked to basically go around in a circle, which first and foremost, let me just say that is my absolute least favorite thing on this planet. I am quite the chatty Kathy when I want to be. I mean, quite obviously I started a podcast for a reason, but there are just some times when I'm sitting in class and I don't have anything to contribute to the conversation, or maybe I'm just too darn shy to speak up and I don't want to be forced to go around in a circle and speak up if I don't want to speak up. I will raise my hand if I have something to say. Please don't make me go around in the circle. I digress. We're going around in the circle and we are asked to say what we want to do with our future. What is our hobby? What is our passion that drives us in life? What is that one thing that gets us through every single day that we are somehow going to monetize for the rest of our lives? What is our career going to be based off of our passions? This is the question that we are being posed. I think I was 19 years old answering this question, mind you. And we're going around the circle and we start with this one student who confesses that he has an amazing love for pottery and pottery is his ultimate dream. And all he wants to do is become an apprentice at a pottery shop in Scotland and live his lifelong dream of opening up his own clay shop. Like this is what this man is all about. He is meant for clay. He is Mr. Pot Man. This is his lifelong goal. And everyone's like, woohoo, like go pottery. This is so good. Like you are living your life. 
And we're like, great, yes, awesome, on to the next. Then the next girl goes on to say how it is her absolute love and passion to work with people with disabilities. And this is something that has driven all of her decisions throughout her whole life. And she wants to start her own organization and how this is going to be the rest of her career. And she is just so set in her goals and her values. And this is her dream. She knows exactly what she wants to do and she's going to make it happen. Hell yeah, props to her. And everybody's going around the circle and they're confessing their passions and their interests and how it just is so perfectly intertwined with this roadmap that they've built for themselves and all of their lifelong plans are just outlined so perfectly because they've just they've got it all figured out they have nothing to worry about they are freaking ready for the world and all this time I am sitting in my little squeaky old desk I used to hate those things gosh I don't miss school desk whatsoever but I'm sitting there on my desk and I'm shaking in my boots. I'm freaking the frick out because it is getting closer and closer to my turn to talk about whatever the fuck I'm going to be talking about, and I have absolutely no idea what I'm about to say. This conversation has only helped me realize that I do not have a one and only sole passion that I am And I have quite literally no hobbies beyond the clubs that I'm involved in on campus. And I have literally no idea how I'm going to answer this question without making an utter and complete fool of myself. So soon enough, I am soon past the talking stick. And this is the one and only time that this has ever happened to me in my entire scholastic experience. I don't think I've ever talked about this before. But I don't know if I started speaking or if everything was just a complete blur in that moment because I kind of blacked out. But I immediately started sobbing. I broke down crying in front of my entire class. Now, mind you, it was like 20 kids. But still, it was the one and only time I had ever cried in class. I had no idea why in the heck I even let myself start crying. But I was blubbering like a little fish out of water. I had absolutely no idea how I wanted to answer the question. I was like sobbing through tears, trying to answer like, I don't have any passions. I don't have a hobby. (laughs) I mean, it's funny now, like I can look back on it and laugh at myself that I was a complete and utter mess in front of so many of my friends or colleagues. And thankfully, like my best friend sitting next to me and she's like stroking my back, like brushing my hair, like, don't worry, like it's going to be okay. And my poor teacher, he had no idea what to do with me because, you know, he's just trying to probably help facilitate a fun conversation. And here I am like, I have no fulfillment in my life. Poor guy. (laughs) I think the only thing I ended up mustering was like, my only interest in life is my love for Christmas. I just love Christmas so much. And my best friend sitting next to me was like, well, then you can open up a Christmas shop and it will be here around and you'll spread joy and I'm like Wah! like th- it was the most pathetic interaction you could ever dream up in your mind like it is as pathetic as I am describing it but that whole facilitation like the whole conversation in and of itself first and foremost the fact that students who choose to or have the privilege to go to college are asked to pick their major basically their career, their lifelong path at the age of like 16, 17, 18 is absolutely absurd. And kind of going along with that, even just knowing what kind of extracurricular activities you want to be in or having extracurricular activities, plus the six other side gigs that apparently you already have that are going to help you live out your dream that you've had since you're three years old, is just so... Ah, 
And I hope and pray that that's not a narrative that is continually taught over and over again because it's just not that way for so, so many people. In some ways, I think I do blame social media because of these constant highlight reels that are on our feeds. And then it's times like these in quarantine or over the summer when we start to see all of our friends or people that influence us doing their next big passion project. And we start to feel fucking useless if we aren't doing that ourselves or we feel like we are not doing enough if we are just simply existing or simply going to work or just doing already as much as you are doing, you all of a sudden feel like, well, shit, I need to carve out 18 more hours in my 24-hour day to do more or else I'm not going to be successful. And that narrative just needs to be completely crushed. Let's talk about social media in general here. Content, content, content. People love content. They love to binge it. They love to consume it. They love to see more and more and more of it. People just love social media. I mean, even think about how successful an app like TikTok is. Hopefully it doesn't get shut down. Who really knows at this point? Wouldn't that be weird to listen back to this episode in like a few months and see if it's gone or if life is completely different? I don't know, kind of interesting. But anyway, an app like that is so successful because we have such short attention spans and we as consumers of social media just love content. We love seeing more and more from our favorite creators. And even if you find a new favorite creator, all you want to do is watch as many of their videos as possible. And when they don't have that many videos out, you're like, well, shoot, that's not that fun. You just want to see more and more and more. And even from a creator's perspective, it pushes creators in all spaces to be overproductive because of that demand for more and to do more and to always have new content. I feel like there's even a big pressure to be present across multiple platforms as well. Like if you're just on TikTok, people are asking you when you're going to move over to YouTube. If you're just on YouTube, people are like, why aren't you on TikTok yet? Why aren't you on Instagram? Or, you know, even me wanting to start a podcast. And even if we just look into my podcast for a second, I've always really been into podcasts. I've always found them super interesting. It's one of the first things I do every single day when I wake up. I listen to The Morning Toast, which is a morning gossip show essentially, but I find it really fun. I find it really lighthearted. It's a good way to get my day started. I I listen to The Daily. I listen to Up Next, which is an NPR podcast. So it's kind of funny that here I am talking about all of this when I'm essentially working to monetize my passion by having my own podcast now. And I kind of feel like over the years, there has been kind of this constant push to start to monetize your interest, monetize your passions. Let's say you're an artist. All of a sudden, it kind of feels like there's a constant push to start open your own Etsy shop. Or maybe you love fashion. Maybe you love thrifting. Now there's this push to start open your own Instagram shop or your Poshmark or your Depop. And honestly, I feel like I've become a big fat believer of that, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I really don't know. I really don't. And with Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech. 
I think in some ways, I think you should have your passions and you should have your hobbies outside of your career or else work and passion and interest start to intertwine and that does not become a good thing. And then there's that other half of me that's like, well, should you live your whole life just putting your passions aside? I don't know. But I do think with this constant need for content, this constant push to do more and to be more and to be present so many places, of course that contributes so dramatically to productivity culture 101. And also if you think about it, it can become really tolling on you and your mental health. And also I think it can start to become really hard to take breaks, to take weekends even, just to take time away from producing content. When I was doing some research for this episode, I came across a YouTube video from this girl named Sarah Jo Makeup. And she made some really great points about productivity culture and even hustle culture, I think is what she called it. And she was talking about how it creates this drive to constantly be working. And you're almost thought of as not good enough if you're not constantly working. And then there's also this mentality of you can get there if you work hard, but that mentality does not take into account, first and foremost, socioeconomic issues that will create inequitable situations that unfairly make situations advantageous for some and extraordinarily inequitable for others. And also, this drive to always be working and be productive can take significant tolls on your mental health. <sighs> okay, holy shit. Um, <laughs> I can't even believe this is actually happening. I'm not even shitting you when I say this, but I have literally, in this moment, come to a conclusion I have never recognized about my life, about myself. I have not been able to pinpoint this until like literally this moment. But if I'm being honest with myself, toxic productivity, productivity culture is honestly like the root of that is what drove me to start my YouTube channel. Like really, if we dive into this, It is what drove me to think that I was not doing enough with my life for quote unquote just going to work for just literally existing and being a contributing taxpayer of society. I was not doing enough because I had lived this life, particularly in college, of this fast paced lifestyle, everything at my fingertips. I was involved in everything under the sun and I was pretty much sucked in like a damn vacuum that The minute I got out of that bubble, that desire to constantly be doing more, to always have more extracurriculars, to always have busy as my number one fucking personality trait, that I thought I was not doing enough by just solely diving myself in to a nine to five job. That is absurd. Like everything about that is crazy. I cannot believe I literally, I literally just realized that. I'm I'm not kidding you. Like... (laughs) What in the world? Like, how did I just come to this realization? I'm going to have to sit down for this one. In actuality, I was just going through a huge shift in my life. I was moving to a new city. I was moving away from my friends. I was getting a full-time job. I was leaving school for the first time. Like, it is already hard enough to cope with your feelings in times of stress and change, let alone take on a whole new effing project, like start a YouTube channel, just due to this underlying pressure of feeling like I had to quote unquote do more because of productivity culture. Don't get me wrong, this has been the greatest decision I've ever made in my entire life, but it's just kind of insane if I really break it down like that. I was feeling that way. I was feeling like I wasn't doing enough because I was always doing more than what was expected. I was contributing to productivity culture. I was enforcing it myself. I was so guilty of that. And even if you listen to 
I think one of my past episodes where I'm talking about why I decided to start YouTube. If I analyze that, like probably from like a psychological perspective, I don't know if anybody is into psychology if you're listening to this. Is that the reason? Like, let me know. Was I really just thinking that for the first time in my life, I wasn't contributing to productivity culture? So unconsciously, I felt like I was not doing enough. I don't know. But it kind of makes a lot of sense to me in this moment. Maybe I'm going to look back at this and realize I am not making sense whatsoever. But right now, it makes a whole lot of fucking sense. But I mean, even in regards to stress and changing environments, all of that, let's take even me getting fired, for example, due to COVID-19. When I got fired, and if you don't know, I basically was temporarily laid off from my job due to COVID-19, just like many of Americans or people all across the world. But I think when I first got the news, we were initially told our hours were going to be cut, which made total sense, you know, totally okay with that. But I was thinking, wow, I am going to have an extra day of my week where I'm going to be at home. I'm going to get to do all of these things. I'm going to take my life back. And then once I was fully let go, I had basically an entire layout of how I was going to use all of this time to redecorate my entire apartment. My cupboards that have turned into horribly chaotic filing cabinets, my hall closet that's literally just covered with my old school supplies that I refuse to throw away, my little den area that I want to convert into an office, which admittedly I am actually doing, but that did take me four months to even get started on. But I was basically under the mindset of many people around the world that I was going to use this time to better myself, to become the best me, to redecorate my whole fucking life. And honestly, I think that social media was really, really toxic right when COVID-19 lockdowns started happening because all of these gurus came out of nowhere and it basically felt like we were being told that we needed to do more with this time. This was a time when we were all going to be home. We needed to write the next best-selling novel. We needed to start our own brand, open up our own companies, get into the best shape of our lives when really we were and still are in a global effing pandemic. And that comes with a lot of anxieties and stress and shifts to our daily lives. And in some ways, it almost felt insensitive, like to push to try and do more. But I felt that on so many levels. Like I felt that that was exactly what I was going to have to do. And if I wasn't being productive right now, then I was wasting away my days. I wasn't going to be on top as everybody else was going to be because everybody else was using this time to better themselves. Like I wasn't going to be a good person if I wasn't using this time to become the fucking Nobel Peace Prize winner. But in actuality, we are home because we have to be home. It is the safe and smart thing to be home if we have the ability to be here. And honestly, we have much less attention to even dive into projects like that, to even try and dive into redecorating your apartment or to starting a book that you've always talked about starting because we're already living through so much. I definitely feel like as the pandemic has progressed and as we are now on, what is it, like month four or five of being in some sort of lockdown, I definitely feel like that pressure has slowed down a lot more as people have become probably just a little bit more fatigued, but I can wholeheartedly say that I felt very overwhelmed by it in the beginning and it was just a lot to take in. I think in some ways, apart from anything having to do with quarantine or that sort of pressure to be productive right now, productivity can be a really positive and motivational thing too. I always think about somebody like Keith because he's got a lot of fun goals in his life, but one of his biggest dreams is to own a fancy schmancy sports car one day because it is one of the things that makes him happiest in life. It is one of the things that he loves with all of his heart so it would fulfill all of his dreams in life if he were to someday 
own a sports car. And something that really inspires him is following people on Instagram, let's say, that have worked their butt off, that have come from nothing and are super successful in their lives and drive all, all these fancy schmancy sports cars because it motivates him that he could possibly be like that one day. Because from his perspective, he sees that as motivation and he sees it as, hey, if they can do it, then I can do it too. And sure, those guys might be talking about how they had to work really, really hard to get where they are or they have to continually push and work harder than the average Joe to achieve that kind of lifestyle. But for some people, they might need that kind of motivation. Maybe they really do need to see so many people almost like yelling at them in their ear to help them reach their goals. Let's get into your questions because this is always the highlight of my day, the highlight of my podcast. Hopefully it's the highlight for you too. I just feel like it's a lot more interesting when I'm not just ranting out of my butt, but I'm actually engaging with you all and hopefully that makes you happy too. Is it actually possible to get through a list and finish it? That's a really good question. I feel like I used to be so notorious for creating these novel to-do lists. They were at least like 30 tasks long. And I honestly think that that is setting yourself up for failure to begin with. My life has been changed by my recent planner that I just purchased. I want to probably talk your ear off about this planner because I love it that much, but it has honestly changed my perspective on how to be productive, which is quite ironic considering the podcast. But each and every single day of the week, the planner has the top three things that you want to get done. And then below that, a more casual to-do list. And I love the way that this is set up because I felt like really when I was narrowing down my days, I knew that there was probably only one to three tasks that were so darn important that I needed to get them done that day. And when I would set myself up for failure by creating these 30 task to-do lists, I would feel like a piece of poop because I wouldn't complete them all. And then how do I feel about myself the next day when I'm just staring at my prior to-do list that has not been checked off whatsoever. So narrowing it down to the actual few things that I really feel like are necessary for the day has helped me a lot in at least prioritizing my schedule, keeping me a lot more organized. And then I feel like I'm actually accomplishing something by focusing on the really big important things first. Kind of conversely, I feel like I'm about to contradict myself, but something that also helps me a lot is breaking down something that is a really big project into smaller to-do list items. Like I said, I'm about to contradict myself, but instead of just saying, for example, for me, my big to-do list item for the day is to edit a video. Well, if I were to just write edit a video on my to-do list, that's not going to help me one darn bit. There are so many different elements that go into editing a video that if I just put edit a video, I'm not going to be able to check that off for like two days because that's how long it takes me to edit. So maybe if I actually put upload my footage, take notes on my commentary, maybe write a voiceover, finalize a rough cut, make a thumbnail, like all of those things are a lot smaller, much more doable tasks that if I actually write them down individually and I check them off, that feeling of just putting a check mark in a box is just the best thing ever. Like, I don't know if that's just me, like a type A personality. I'm not really type A, but that organizedness of just checking it off, oof, that's the best feeling. How do you deal with feeling guilty for taking a rest day? Uh, this took me a really long time, honestly. I think I had a lot of unlearning to do after my years of contributing to productivity culture as a high schooler and as a college student and even up until honestly the past few weeks. But I realized especially when it comes to doing YouTube or doing anything online, I needed to have a specific day where it was my weekend. I was not expected to do anything. I didn't need to have a to-do list. I didn't need to have 
anything. And for me, that's Tuesdays. Like I used to hate Tuesdays. I used to talk about this in my videos all the time, but for whatever reason, Tuesdays were always the worst day of the week for me. But now I've made them my weekend and I look forward to them and I put absolutely nothing on my plate on those days because I know it is what will help me be a better creator, a better worker for the rest of the days of the week. And I think you have to take the guilt part about it away and recognize that you need to do whatever is best for yourself to recharge. And some people are introverted and they need to have time by themselves and maybe they need to read or maybe they need to journal or do things that will help them recharge that way. Maybe you need to spend time with your family. Maybe you're more extroverted and you want to be around other people. Do whatever you need to do to recharge charge properly because burning out is terrible and it really sucks and it's really hard to get out of that pit once you're in it. So don't force yourself down that rabbit hole. Take time for yourself and establish what days you're going to honestly just put the brakes on a little bit. What do you do when you have fallen off the productivity bandwagon or specifically how do you avoid beating yourself up when you fall short of productivity? I feel like I'm actually really guilty of this because as I was just saying, I take Tuesdays off. Now, Wednesdays roll around and sometimes it's really hard for me to get my butt back in gear because I'm so relaxed from my Tuesdays of laziness that Wednesdays come and I don't want to do work whatsoever. It's kind of like Mondays for most people. Like you just don't really want to do anything on Mondays because you just had such a nice weekend and you don't want to be productive because you were just so anti-productive. For me, I need to always ease myself into it. And what I like to do is basically like take my time to get ready in the morning and just try and set myself up for success as much as possible. So for me, that means trying to wake up at a decent hour. (laughs) This past week, I've been trying to wake up between eight and nine o'clock, which is hard because of how messed up my sleep schedule is in quarantine. I feel like a lot of you can relate, but I'll try and wake up early and then I will turn on my podcast, get ready, like change my clothes, do my skincare, get my coffee ready, do all of those little tasks that will help me just feel like I'm a human again instead of staying in bed, like being a slug all day long. And sometimes even the night before, like Tuesday evenings or even Wednesday mornings, if I didn't want to do anything on Tuesday, I will write my to-do list for the day. And sometimes even just getting in that mindset makes me already feel a lot more productive. But if I just already cannot be bothered with like looking at a planner, like sitting down at a desk, even anything related to work, I start to do almost like little house chores that will put me into more of a productive mindset, like start some laundry, do the dishes, vacuum my room, like little things that I know I've been putting off kind of help me get into that mojo. And then I feel like it's a little bit easier to ease into things rather than, holy shit, I'm so behind. I have to be so productive. How to become a morning person. Wow. (laughs) Honestly, the best tip I can give you is to just train yourself, like practice. I was never a morning person until I had to be. Really when I knew I needed to start waking up early, and when I mean early, I mean like 4 a.m., I started using like a few days up until I needed to start waking up as practice days. So I'd wake up maybe at 8 a.m. and then I'd try and wake up the next day at 7 a.m. and then 6 and so on until it was a little bit easier and easier. And sometimes you do just have to force yourself out of bed, which I know is not easy and the covers are so comfortable in the morning and all you want to do is keep sleeping. But another huge thing that helps me just get into a more productive mindset is waking up early. And I always resist it and I love sleeping. I love sleeping in. But if I wake up at 11 a.m., let's say, I feel like I just wasted my day away. I could 
have been so productive, blah, blah, blah. Like I'm really, really hard on myself versus if I wake up at 7 or 8 a.m. and I get so much done in that time, I feel so good. But also, again, contradicting myself, sometimes if I wake up at 11 a.m., maybe I recognize that my body really did need to sleep. Like for example, sometimes I go to bed at 4 a.m. if I'm finishing a video, which is on one hand, not good and a direct result of negative toxic productivity culture. And on the other hand, it's good that I'm allowing myself to sleep until 11 because then I'm actually getting a quote unquote full night's sleep, even though it's four in the morning and I'm waking up at 11. You get my point. I think when it comes down to it, we have to get rid of that mindset that rest equals non-productivity. Rest is good for us. Rest is so necessary to being productive, to being successful. And when I was not taking any rest days for myself or when I was forcing myself to wake up early because I wanted to continue to be productive, even though I'd gone to bed so, so late, I was so not myself the entire day long because I was so tired and I was not prioritizing my mental health or just my physical health in general. So always remember that that is something that is top priority. We will end up burning out. And again, like I mentioned, that's a terrible thing. Don't get yourself in that spot. Prioritize rest in all aspects of your life because it will help you be successful in the long run. What's one thing that helps you getting everything done and being productive at 100%? I don't know if I'm ever 100% if I'm being quite honest, but the answer that is so hard to come to terms with is putting my phone away, quite honestly. And I feel like they tell you this in school. They tell you this at your jobs. I have a really hard time putting my phone away because I feel like sometimes it is part of my job to be more present online. And when I say job, I just mean like, I don't know, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, whatever. Sometimes it's part of the gig just to be a little bit more present and engaged online. So putting my phone away sometimes feels like I'm putting away half of the job, but I know myself and a lot of times you can just get sucked into things so darn easily. Like how many times do you open up an app and not realize how much time has passed? So I know that I am 400 times more productive if I put my phone in another room, if I put it on airplane mode, if I even just turn it face down so the screen does not light up every three seconds, that helps me so much because then I'm not constantly annoyed with notifications. I used to wear an Apple watch and um, I cracked it, which is a whole different story. But I do think since not wearing it anymore, I have become a lot less responsive, which I feel like I used to see as a bad thing. But honestly, I don't feel as glued to my phone as I used to be because with my watch, I would get notifications, you know, every few minutes and I would feel this need to respond to them. Or if you don't respond to them, I felt like it was in the back of my mind. Like, oh, I got to respond to that text. Oh, I got to read that email. Oh, I got to go on Instagram and see what that notification was about. But if I literally don't have my Apple watch on me, if I don't have my phone on me, I can actually dive into my work. I can focus a lot more. I can just be a lot more present. And then I notice if I'm zoned in, if I put headphones on, I get so much more work done. How to not compare your life to others based on their successes. I feel like this is the pinnacle of what makes productivity culture seem toxic, feel toxic because of our consumption of so much social media all of the darn time. I'm a really comparative person, so I feel like this is a really hard thing to overcome. I definitely think one thing that we have to recognize is that we have to celebrate each other's successes a lot more. And I think sometimes we immediately see it as a negative reflection of ourselves. Like let's say your friend is all of a sudden TikTok famous. You might already start to think, well, shit, that makes me feel like a really bad person, a really unsuccessful person, because I'm feeling like, why am I not TikTok famous? You know, when instead our mindset should be focused more on, wow, that's amazing that they've created 
a little following for themselves. Look at them go. I am so proud to be their friend. I am so proud to see their successes. And honestly, sometimes I can get so wrapped up in the comparisons. I can even get my interests construed. Like I don't even want to be TikTok famous, but for a little glimpse of a moment, I'm sitting there thinking, well, shit, that should be me or that could be me. That would be so cool. When in actuality, I have no interest in doing that. That's a bad example, but I just kind of feel like sometimes we see people being successful at something and then all of a sudden we're like, oh shoot, maybe I should be doing that. When really that's just not what we were ever interested in doing in the first place. I think maybe changing our mindset and focusing more on positives rather than how negative we can be on ourselves in those situations and comparing how we may or may not have the same successes can probably make us a lot more happy to begin with. And maybe we won't be focusing on all that we haven't done and more of how we can uplift others and ourselves. What are my thoughts on the requirement of a quote unquote side hustle our generation has created? I feel like this is a hard one because I kind of feel like I myself am really guilty of this. I started my quote unquote side hustle and I didn't ever expect to monetize making YouTube videos or anything like that. I did it solely because I wanted a passion back. And as I realized in this podcast, because I was no longer quote unquote feeling productive. So I kind of feel like I'm a little bit biased in this answer, but I do wish it wasn't thought of as a requirement. I wish it was just something that people did if they were genuinely interested in having some sort of passion project. But now I feel like if you don't have your passion project, then you're not doing enough or you should be doing more with your time because everybody else seems to be doing that. I feel like that's a really tricky fine line because there's one half of me that wants to say like, follow your dreams, follow your passions. If there's something that you've always been really interested in, why not take more time and invest in it? But then there's this other half of me that's like, don't give in to what everybody else is doing. I think in the end, if you really aren't interested in having a side hustle, time will just start to tell and you'll realize that it was never something that you wanted to do in the first place. And sometimes that trial and error process can be really helpful. But I do think what it comes down to is doing something because you're genuinely interested in doing it. And if you see your friends having side hustles and that a good motivator for you, then go after it. But try and be real with yourself and ask yourself why you'd want to be doing the side hustle. Would you be doing it if nobody was watching? Would you be doing it if you couldn't monetize it? All right, I think I want to wrap this by just saying that we need to be a little bit more empathetic in our productivity. And I learned this from a New York Times article, which who am I don't know, but I was trying to do a lot of research for this episode because it was just giving me a lot of worrisome thoughts about how to approach this. And there's so many different angles that you could look at this from. And I think ultimately the best way I can speak about something is just from my personal knowledge, my personal experiences. But there is so much that goes into how productivity culture also contributes to a lot of inequities. And there's even this book that this man named Will Store wrote that I honestly would love to read. And it's called Selfie, How We Became So Self-Obsessed and What It's Doing to Us. And basically the whole book apparently argues that our obsession with productivity and self-improvement has created a culture of perfectionism. And that's often at odds with empathy and compassion. And the author basically says that there's so much out there that makes us feel like we are not good enough. And in order to compensate this, we're driven to this toxic perfectionist state of mind. And in doing so, we block out our awareness of others' needs in the pursuit of wanting to work better, work smarter, work faster. But we should be thinking about 
productivity, productivity culture in a way more inclusive manner. Assuming that the point of optimizing your life is to be happier and more fulfilled, productivity won't help you get there as much as human connection will. That's empathetic productivity. And yes, I did just quote a man from his book because I think that's so important. And that approach will honestly make you so much more of a productive contributor to society, a more empathetic person, somebody who is a lot more aware of how you can be compassionate towards others, especially towards inequities in our lives and how it plays a role in a larger system. And I think recognizing how important empathy is to productivity and how important inclusion is will make us happier, more productive people. I'm off my soapbox, I promise. I love you all so much. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Don't Get It Twisted. I hope that you enjoyed this one. I feel like sometimes I'm getting very serious on a lot of these episodes, and I don't really want that to be the overall theme because I really just want to be able to have open conversations with you. But these have been some pretty, I don't know, like topics that need to be unwoven so intricately that I just couldn't do it in such a silly manner. But let me know if you ever have suggestions for topics that you want me to cover. I'm always, always looking for your input, and I value it so dearly please dm me on instagram if you have any suggestions at taylor was with two l's or you can send me an email for the podcast hello at twistypod.com thank you so much for listening to another episode of don't get it twisted stay tuned for another episode we're going to get a little bit untwisty baby stay safe i love you happy monday Bye.